Kelowna, as evidenced by the 300 plus housing units and the investment that BC Housing has made in our community, has done a very good job of advocating and building relationships. Welcome to Kelowna Talks, where we explore the why behind the decisions that shape your city. Together, we open the curtain and dig deep into current issues, plans, and policies that come out of City Hall. Thanks for joining us as we talk about Kelowna and the topics that matter to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Bob Evans, Partnership Director at the City of Kelowna and host of our Kelowna Talks podcast. I acknowledge that our community is located on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Silks Okanagan people. Well, a week or so ago, we asked the public uh, if they could ask Mayor Bazaran anything they ever wanted to ask him. And uh, guess what? The response was amazing. And as I said last time, it's uh, it was overwhelming with over 150 questions and comments covering a really wide range of issues from affordable housing, infrastructure, crime, homelessness, traffic, high rises in the environment. You get it. Also, uh, in terms of last time, we addressed infrastructure and the growth of the city. And so we have a, a couple different topics this time. And uh, again, welcome back, Mayor Bazran, to part two of our podcast. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Okay, so uh, we're going to jump right in. Um, we we talked about what you like to do when you're when you're not mayor, and uh, I guess I think we talked about the fact that you're never not mayor, but uh, you've got <laughs> lots going on with your family. So hopefully, in the last week or so, you've done uh, more kid activities. In our last episode, we talked about the incredible growth that our city is experiencing at the moment. Uh, we're seeing a lot of new high rises downtown, new neighborhoods evolving, infill three, four-story apartments. Uh, we've got the Toko lands in an exciting planning process, and there's a lot going on. But growth also comes with issues. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. There are serious social issues in our city. How do all these new homes being built address affordability, particularly for middle and lower income people? We heard from people suggesting that many of these new high-rise buildings are, are housing, yes, but they're still unattainable for most folks. It is not within council's mandate to build housing, is my understanding. Um, the council is advocating at the provincial and federal governments for assistance on the housing crisis and rapidly increasing cost of living. I'll use that as, as the intro to, you know, I guess, help us understand as listeners uh, where we sit with this crisis. Yeah, so it, that, that's a lot. Um, and it's, it's a lot for um, most municipalities. I, I think I would start by saying that um, this is, these are not Kelowna only issues. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why, uh, several of the mayors in British Columbia have banded together under the, uh, banner of the BC Urban Mayors Caucus, uh, of which I help lead, um, to, uh, advocate, uh, for help from the provincial and federal government for some of these issues. But let's just step back and just talk about, uh, Kelowna right now. Um, and what I would say is this is while those if issues are, uh, are serious, uh, and our council's top priority, we have really um, comprehensive plans in place to deal with each of the things that you've talked about. And so um, while I appreciate that um, there's a lot of concern, uh, I am comforted by the fact that we have been leaders, not only provincially, but nationally in regards to how we're addressing some of these issues with our homelessness strategy, with our community safety plan, 
and with some of the really great advocacy work that's taking place being led by uh, the city of Kelowna. So I, I actually just recently returned from something called the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, which is where mayors and city councillors from across the country uh, meet once a year to discuss uh, issues of mutual concern. And I can tell you that uh, the city of Kelowna was sought out by mayors and councillors from a number of different municipalities because word has gotten out about our plans to address these issues where we've already had some successes. So let's talk about the, the homelessness file. So through our homelessness strategy called Journey Home, which I know has um, not been smooth, uh, has had some complications or hiccups, but let's just look overall at what Journey Home has done. Um, the biggest thing that Journey Home has done has gotten over 300 people either homeless or on the verge of being homeless housed. And we've also just renewed, uh, if you will, our our Journey Home strategy in that it calls for um, you know hundreds more um, supportive or complex care housing units to get people off of our streets. So what I can say is that there is great advocacy work taking place because I want to be clear here, the city of Kelowna and our taxpayers do not pay for or provide housing. And that is not something most municipalities do in, in the province of British Columbia. Housing is a mandate of the provincial government. So what can we do then to get the province to the table? And Kelowna as evidenced by the 300 plus housing units and the investment that BC Housing has made in our community, has done a very good job of advocating and building relationships with the Minister of Housing, the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. But I do want to clear up one thing because we've gotten hundreds of people housed, but the average resident will say, but it's not making a difference. In fact, mm. it's getting worse. Right. And so here's why, Bob, one of the key things that we are now advocating for is something called complex care housing. Because in the investments the province has made um, into supportive housing in our community, which in some cases the city of Kelowna has provided land for, the health supports for people to deal with the, the, their underlying mental health and addiction issues has not been as strong as needed um, to really uh, get those with the most complex issues um, to stay housed. And so this, again, is happening in municipalities right across the province where those with the deepest affliction of mental health and addiction issues remain on our streets. So we mayors have banded together to say to the provincial government, something needs to be done for what's called complex care housing. And so I'm proud to say that as a result of the advocacy I have helped lead, the provincial government in its most recent budget set aside $164 million for complex care, housing and supports, of which some of that will be provided here in Kelowna. Now, it's not going to get everybody housed yet, but they have promised continued investment in complex care housing, of which we need the support of the Interior Health Authority as well as the provincial government. So from a homelessness standpoint, there is a lot of great work happening behind the scenes, but it's not going to get fixed overnight. And these mental health and addiction issues have been building over decades. And I can say that there's been some great work done and will continue to be, and Kelowna leads the country in, in terms of some of this work. Yeah, that's comforting to hear. And, you know, I know that uh, there's a lot going on and um, the word complex, uh, complex care and just complex needs. And we know it's a complex issue. And then 
how many times can you say complex in one sentence, I guess, but it's, you know, it's something that the city is putting a lot of time and resources in addressing. And again, it doesn't go away, but if, you know, similar to your thoughts on infrastructure, if we don't deal with the little parts, it'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger until it's a, it, until it's an issue we just can't grapple, it, grapple with. At all. And it is very multifaceted as you talked about. And so one thing that I have not shied away from, nor, nor will I, is that the way out of this is a key part of it is to make sure that somebody has a roof over their head, but also has the health supports to deal with their underlying mental health and addiction issues. This is not something that we can just fix with policing and chase these folks who are, you know, uh, human beings uh, out of our community because that is not the way. They're part of our community. They're, they're, They're residents. Yeah. And, and this is not something either that we can just fix and then we're done. This is something as a municipality and all municipalities will need to continue to invest in forever because we're not going to eradicate mental health and addiction issues. We're not. And so it's going to require continued investment. But again, Kelowna has a plan that's leading the country in terms of helping folks. Um, and, uh, and I'm really proud of that, but it's so multifaceted. I know we're going to talk about the intersection of, um, you know, uh, healthcare with the justice system and various other things, but I'll, I'll leave it to you to ask those questions and steer where we're going. Yeah, next. well, we'll get there. And, and I guess the, you know, my, my personal comment is just the level of awareness in our community, in, in our province, in our country around these complex uh, needs is, is raised dramatically over, over the last few years. So, it's comforting to me and hopefully it's comforting to the rest of the rest of our, our citizens of Kelowna. So I'm going to get us back to affordability. It's uh, again, we had a lot of questions and I'm sure you've heard comments. I've heard comments from my friends that own businesses that uh, even people with well-paying jobs can't afford to live here. And we, we worry about the affordability and how that impacts businesses to attract employees to our city. Um, what's your thoughts on that? What can you, what can you tell us? Yeah. So I'll say this is it is really frustrating as a council to be able to approve um, significant amounts of housing, but to see the price continually rise and to see rents or the, the price of homes continually become out of reach for what we would consider our average resident. That's hard um, and frustrating. So the the reality is, is there are very few levers a city has in regards to um, affordability. Uh, You know, supply is probably the biggest one. And uh, we have been approving developments probably quicker than any uh, municipality in British Columbia, maybe even Canada. We continue to see significant investment in housing in our city. Um, but yet it's still not making a difference. And I know one of the comments I often get is, well, um, you know, the units are being purchased by people who don't live here, say, or, or are investors. Right. That's not something the city of Kelowna can say, sorry, you're from out of town. You can't buy that. We don't have that ability. Um, and we also need to keep in mind that who provides rental housing? Well, it's somebody has to own that unit. So, you know, we, we still need people to invest and purchase units and then put them on the market as rental. 
But what I can tell you and where we've had tremendous success is through some of the incentives we have, tax incentives at the city of Kelowna, we are seeing more purpose-built rental housing built than our city's ever seen. My understanding is within the development process currently, there are thousands of new rental-only projects. But I also appreciate that some will say, well, that's great, but I can't afford to rent them. Mm-hmm. So it what it means is then if we we need we need to advocate and we are advocating to the provincial and federal governments for below market rental housing. And so that happens every single day. I can tell you, I can assure you of that. Um, so we're going to need to see more investment by the province through BC Housing uh, and and kudos to, to the province and BC Housing. We have approved our first ever high rise downtown owned by BC Housing, which will include below market rental apartments, but we need more of that. So all I can say is this, is there are plans in place through our healthy housing strategy to see, and oftentimes High rises get all the attention, but in our healthy housing strategy, it calls for housing right across the spectrum from supportive housing to uh, subsidized or below market housing to just straight rental housing to many different forms of home ownership, not just condos, because we know not everybody will want to live in a condo and that's not our aim, but we're trying to create a diversity of housing for the residents who want to be here. But in terms of direct controls on the cost or who can purchase or rent those units, that's not something the city of Kelowna can can stop or or can implement policy to change. And so that's where we're looking to our provincial and federal government and work with them um, to help us provide that. But again, this is not a Kelowna only issue. Price and rents are skyrocketing across the country. And again, I believe though that through our advocacy and through our planning, the city of Kelowna will be further ahead as we move through this than other municipalities. And I'm comforted by that. So it's at least a tri-party, if not a quad party, that's such a term, uh, issue. We have the municipality trying to expedite uh, approvals for these projects, get more units built quicker. We have the private sector who's building them. And then we have provincial and federal governments who are contributing money and policies. Is that yeah. what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. And then we also have the nonprofit sector who uh, also plays a role in uh, in in running some of the housing projects or getting directly involved in in housing itself uh, through the purchase of land and and creation of uh, of subsidized units. So it, it it's multifaceted um, and it's going to take a lot of people working together. Um, but we, for, as a city standpoint, are doing the best we can to get housing built for all of our residents. But I get the uh, the concern our residents have because it impacts a number of uh, of areas of our community. Yeah, we had lots of questions, and that's a good segue to a couple of the, I think, more interesting questions uh, that we had. And one was, uh, what about co-op housing? You know, is that being considered? And then there was another one about float homes. You know, what about that? What about float homes on Okanagan Lake like we see in the lower mainland? So, so I can don't you uh, think, give me some answers to those two? I don't think we'd see floating homes as an option. Um, and even if that were... Um, the, the lake is not necessarily the jurisdiction of, uh, of the city. So, um, and I, I don't think, I think it when asked, most people would say they would rather not see housing right on the, uh, on the shore, uh, that way. So I would say likely not. Uh, however, co-op housing, and again, this is one of those, um, sort of myth busting opportunities, uh, right now is, Co-op housing is a form of housing that is currently allowed within the city of Kelowna. 
So if a developer or a nonprofit or a co-op wanted to come forward with the project um, and they had the property to go ahead and do so, that is something that is perfectly acceptable. Again, the city of Kelowna is not going to build co-op housing. We that's not what we uh, that's not a service we provide, nor is it to what we get money for from other levels of government to do. However, there is nothing stopping anyone from uh, from creating a co-op, and I think co-op housing would be a welcomed form here in our community, um, like any other. Okay, good. No, thank you. Okay, going on to a few more questions. Um, there was certainly a lot about homelessness and uh, we talked about housing the homeless and housing people with complex needs. And then there was uh, our annual citizen survey that came out recently that said 80% of the people described Kelowna as safe. But when we're here anecdotally that crime is increasing, uh, what do you think needs to be done here? So is there a correlation between those two? And where are we in terms of, obviously we want to be a, a healthy, diverse city that, as we talked about, but safety is obviously a huge concern. Absolutely. So safety is a huge concern hearing that loud and clear. But I I do want to state that just because a person is homeless does not mean that they are engaged in crime. But I I, I understand the stigma. That being said, um, one thing that we have seen in our community is frustration with our justice system, because what's happening is, uh, particularly with chronic and repeat offenders, they're being arrested and released, arrested and released um, it seems like with no consequences. And so residents are, are frustrated, as are we as local government. So one of the things that we, uh, and I say the collective we here, the BC Urban Mayor's Caucus has done is, because this is taking place in all of our communities, is we have gone to the provincial government with our statistics to say a small number of our residents are responsible for a significant number of files, but there doesn't seem to be any consequences. So as a result of our advocacy, the provincial government recently announced it's taking steps to look into potential changes to our justice and our healthcare system. And and why those two is this, is because we, we know that most prolific offenders in our community are likely dealing with a mental health addiction issue or both. So you have to then ask yourself, if we arrest this person, is prison the best place for them? Because one, they should be facing consequences. However, we don't want them to face a consequence and then just repeat the pattern. So the provincial government is finally looking at ways that we can address these chronic offenders, but also deal with their underlying issues so that this just isn't an endless cycle that costs a lot of money. So there is a lot of work taking place right now to to look into that. But then just to bring it back down to the Kelowna focus, um, the great work that we have done to create a community safety plan, to bring organizations from across the city, including the RCMP, um, key provincial uh, ministries and others, to work on a plan that looks upstream so that we're not always being reactive to stop crime before it happens. So if we see at-risk youth in our community, how can they get access to the programs and the health that they need to turn their lives around so that they don't become the next generation of our prolific or repeat offender? Um, That's just one example. But we have an amazing community safety plan 
to address the uh, health and wellness and, and, and safety of our community from a, a high level to prevent some of this from happening. Um, but again, it's going to take, uh, you know, some time to implement before we start to see the, uh, the positive, the major positive rewards, but it is a necessary step. Uh, but I, but back to your original question, we know that crime is an issue in our community, but we also know that RCMP are just as frustrated as we as residents and business owners are because they'll arrest somebody and that person is out on the street the next day. So I'm glad that the provincial government is looking at the justice system and how overworked uh, it may be and and causing some of what we're seeing, but also that they're looking into the overlap between the justice and the healthcare system so that we just aren't uh, sending someone to jail uh, and then they come out with the same mental health and addiction issues and feed it through crime and nothing changes. I'm going to bring us back to the question or one of the questions that we had, which is um, again on, on break-ins downtown. So one of the questions was on a local clothier store that had been broken into twice, I think within a two week period. And so those are the bigger, broader policies. What do you say to somebody who owns that downtown business who's been broken into multiple times and you know do we have a crime issue do we have do we have a crime issue that's unusual for the community of our size and obviously the city is spending an immense amount of money on police services so what do you say to that person who says hey mayor like you know i'm just getting choked here because i keep having to replace my window my door my merchandise which that is stolen um what do you say to that person to yeah. comfort them and let them know something's going on sure so i, I do i certainly uh, sympathize with uh, with that individual and those business owners and i share their frustration so is there an issue absolutely there is an issue in our community so what i would say to them is that we are tackling this on multiple fronts again the traditional way has always been through enforcement the city of kelowna has invested millions of dollars in adding police resources so that there's a increased frequency of patrols and boots on the ground um, to protect our residents and to keep them safe. However, that being said, um, that's not enough. So again, it's all of the things that we have just talked about. It's creating housing so that people are off our streets if, if the person in fact happens to be homeless. It's getting the healthcare supports that they need to deal with the reason why they're breaking into that business in the first place. It's probably to feed an addiction, but also to work with the province on fixing the justice system because these business owners are frustrated that they can have, they can have videotape and the RCMP could go and arrest this person. They're going to be right back on the street as a result of the, uh, the issues we're seeing. So I would say that, um, as frustrated as they are, I would remind them that there is some great work happening right now. And we are as close to seeing really significant system changes than we have ever been. And here's another example. We now have the provincial government talking about something called mandatory treatment. So in the past, and as it stands currently, anyone with an addiction issue um, seeking help is... Um, is a choice. But if you're a criminal who's been caught doing something to feed that addiction, I say rightfully so. The the provincial government is now talking about the potential of um as a, as a, as one of the consequences, mandatory treatment because treatment right now is not mandatory. Those are good steps. And that's a, that's a huge difference between our current system obviously when you're now mandating somebody towards that. I mean, I can see how controversial that would be, but I can also see 
the value in that. But because clearly what's happening right now in terms of it's our systems aren't working. Yeah. So we need system change and, and that would be a big one. Um, but anyway, we're, we are going to get a report from, from the provincial government by the end of the summer um, with some hopefully key actions that will be taken by the province to uh, address some of these uh, more significant issues that are, are frustrating myself. Uh, our RCMP and, and our residents, yeah, uh, some you, who are business owners. How, how are, how's our, our police force doing? You know, how are the RCMP handling this and uh, how's their level of health when it comes to doing their job and also seeing the, the results of their, their job being uh, challenged, I guess, by sure. provincial policy. So uh, I would say also, um, well, first of all, our superintendent is doing a great job. Uh, Kara Triance is great at, uh, at what she does, and we have a great RCMP leader in our community. Uh, that being said, though, our RCMP are just as frustrated as residents are. Um, and you only need to look at what took place um, a few weeks ago where we had an officer who was stabbed. Um, and it, it's just almost, it's a miracle that they're still alive. Um, but again, with, you know, dealing with somebody with mental health and addiction issues. And so one of the things that we need to, um, you know, talk about in terms of system change is when we're talking about first response to mental health and addiction is a police officer the best person for that. And so the provincial government is, uh, had just recently announced things it's looking at doing to update the, uh, police police act. And one of those things is, uh, when a person calls nine one one, one of the options will be a mental health option, if you will, because, I think it's fair to say that, well, in some cases, yes, where um, an individual or the public safety is at risk, of course, the RCMP should be the first call. But there are many instances where the public is not at risk and somebody is under mental health duress, sending somebody in a uniform carrying a gun is not Does, the most not appropriate send, yeah, not sending response. The right message. Yeah, yeah. So we have been fortunate in that Interior Health has invested some, I would say, well, I would say minimal resources in working with our RCMP by providing a mental health nurse to accompany an RCMP officer. Um, it, it's, it's not enough to deal with the mental health calls, but at least it's something. Um, but again, we need to shift these systems to get people the appropriate help that they need, um, as a, as a, as opposed to the RCMP being the first call, um, to those situations when perhaps they aren't best suited, um, to handle that call because they are not trained or they're not doctors, they're not nurses. Um, but a lot of what they're having to deal with is issues well beyond their scope. And they are just as frustrated as, as we are, um, that they have to be the first response. And I know that they're also frustrated that, again, they continue to see people arrested with little to no consequence, but also not getting help for their underlying issues. So it's, it's, it's a frustration for everyone, but I am really, um, happy with the work that's going on advocacy wise that I uh, have helped lead with my uh, fellow mayors across the province. 
well, people can't see you, but you're sort of almost elevating out of your chair as you talk about this stuff. And so it's uh, comforting to me and hopefully to our listeners that you're obviously well-read, well-researched, and passionate about these issues. And when we talk about growth and, and some of the social impacts that come along with that um, in terms of homelessness and crime and so on. So we're we're towards the end of our um, our second podcast here. And, and I, I don't want to end more on, on, a, on a positive note, let's say, and give you the chance to um, answer this question, which I've asked a few of our guests before, and especially as the mayor, as the vision caster for our community. Um, what do you think? You know, so you're going to, you're going to drive up Knox Mountain. Well, hold on. You can't drive up the whole way anymore. You got to walk up part of it. You're on top of Knox Mountain, wherever, however you decide to get there. And what do you see, Mayor Bazran, when you look out over Kelowna 20 years from now, what's your you know, what's your wildest hopes, dreams, frustrations, whatever that looks like for you as you look at our city 20 years from now? Yeah, great question. Um, well, I, I see a continuation of, of what's happening here. I, I want to see a city that continues to grow in a responsible way, but I see a beautiful downtown skyline. Um, you know, illustrated by, you know, some great architecture uh, in, you know, the high rises that uh, that are, are, are downtown and, um, you know, in our urban centers. Um, I see a, a community that uh, where residents have great options to get around alternatively than than just their vehicles. So town centers connected by great and frequent transit, um, active transportation corridors. Uh, I see a healthy city in terms of residents um, being able to take advantage of beautiful new green spaces um, and to to uh, to get there get around on our active transportation corridors. So I see healthy residents. I see vibrant a vibrant community with. Um, um, uh, hopefully by then a, a new uh, performing arts center and great new arts and cultural spaces. So I see a, a really engaged um, citizenry and great opportunities to take in arts and culture and knowledge. I see uh, increased partnership closer relationships with our, our First Nations partners, the Okanagan Indian Band and West Bank First Nation. Um, and I see some of, you know, I see these street issues dealt with. I see a city that's reached uh, functional zero in terms of homelessness, where if somebody does find themselves in a situation where they're on the streets, it's only for a short period of time and they're able to transition into housing and to get the help that they need. So, so I see um, a, a vibrant economy, uh, you know, bolstered by our, our, our key industries like agriculture, tourism, but the continued growth of, of tech, uh, you know, a growing number of entrepreneurs who choose to call Kelowna home for lifestyle. And why they'll continue to do that is because we've done a great job of protecting our key asset, which is our environment. We have a healthy lake system. Uh, we have, um, you know, we've, we've, you know, limited sprawl and are, are, have protected our green spaces and have created just a city that continues to be a place that everybody wants to live or invest in. Well, that's wonderful. And, uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking that you're going to probably have a lot more time on your personal hands because your kids will be in their thirties by then. So, uh, so that's something to look forward to as well. Um, it's been great having you and I enjoyed the chat and, uh, thanks for sharing your background, your vision, your passion for the city with us. This has been awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kelowna Talks. For more conversations about topics that matter in your community, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating and review and share Kelowna Talks with your friends and neighbors. 
For more information about this podcast and other big community conversations, visit Kelowna.ca slash community stories. Thank you.